Let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb. What would you do if you knew for sure that the world would end this coming Friday at 12 noon? What actions would you take this week to prepare for the end of the world? Elaine Clare Prophet was sure that she knew when the world was coming to an end. She predicted it would end March 1990. So Elaine Prophet and her disciples moved to a remote location in the USA. They constructed bomb shelters and stored up weapons and ammunition to get ready for Armageddon. But alas, the world did not end in March 1990. Elaine Clare Prophet died in 2009. None of her guns saved her. After all, Marshall Applewhite believed the world would end in 1997. So he advised his followers to leave the earth early and get out before the rush. He started a group called Heaven's Gate and taught his members that in order to survive the end of the world, they had to forsake their physical bodies and get to an alien spaceship that would take them to the highest heaven. In March 1997, his disciples dressed in black and put a $5 note and three coins in their pockets. Then they drank poison and committed suicide. The bodies of the Heaven's Gate members were found three days later, but there's still no word on whether or not they made it onto that alien spaceship. So, What would you do? If you knew the world would end this Friday at noon, how would you get ready? Would you move to an isolated part of the world, build a shelter and stockpile weapons? Would you dress in black and drink poison? Would you hoard food or buy a gun or wait for an alien spaceship? The problem with all those plans, indeed the problem with almost every plan people have to survive the end times, is that we're focusing on the wrong thing. See, when we think of how to survive the end of the world, 99% of people focus on what to do. What do I need to do to be prepared? What do I need to do to survive? But surviving the end of the world doesn't depend on what you do. It depends on who you are. And when people think about the end of the world, most no one focuses on the type of person I should be. We focus on storing food or supplies. We think about where we can go to get away from trouble. But almost no one focuses on the most important issue. What type of person do I need to be to survive the end of the world? For the fact is, there is nothing you can do physically to prepare or protect yourself from the end. You can store up water, but it won't do you any good when the water turns to blood. You can stockpile weapons and food, but it won't do you any good when the armies from the east march through the land and devour all your supplies. You can prepare for every eventuality, but when the sun goes dark and the sky turns dark at midday and the demons go free from hell, there will be no place to run and no place to hide. Yet the good news is, there is a way to escape. There's a way to survive the end of the world. It has nothing to do with physical preparations. It has everything to do with who you are. That's the surprising truth we're going to discover today in our sermon titled, Righteousness. But before we learn more, let's bow our heads and pray. 
Almighty Father, we thank you as we come to you in the name of Jesus that you have given us the truth we need to prepare for the end times. Lord, teach us today from your word the type of people that will survive the end times. Teach us today the type of people we can be to survive the end of the world. I submit everyone listening and watching right now into your hands. I bind every voice of the devil that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit, the power to enlighten our mind, to change our hearts, and to prepare us to be the people who will survive the end of the world. We thank you by faith now in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. I want to invite you to take a moment and join your faith with mine right now. Put your hand on your chest and pray after me. Just say, Lord Jesus, speak to my heart, change my life, manifest your glory in me, in Jesus' name, Amen and amen. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Truth For Today. It's great to have you here with me as we conclude our sermon series, How to Survive the End of the World. Throughout this series, our guide has been history's greatest survivor, a man named Noah. And today, we're finishing our series by discovering one final truth that will carry us through the end times. So let's take a few minutes today and recap our journey with Noah so far. We've been building step by step, and we began with a foundational message ready. The first step to prepare for the end of the world is to focus on God's priorities. When you possess God's perspective, you'll prepare properly. See, Noah was focused on eternity. He saw what God saw, so he did what God said. Then the second step is to meet the requirement of faith. Noah was a man of faith. He built the ark by faith. He did everything God told him to do because he had faith. And faith is the essential element we all need in order to survive the end. You see, faith attracts God's favor and draws you into close fellowship with him. Faith follows Jesus and keeps us safe in the storm. Then last week we learned the third step. You have to understand the process of redemption. Noah was saved from the flood when he got into the ark, but he wasn't fully saved until he stood back on dry ground. And in the same way, God is taking all of his children through a process to get us to our final destination. He saved you from sin in the past, and now he's refining you. This present life is God's training ground for future glory. And that brings us to today's message on righteousness. Everything God has been teaching us and working in us is to build us up in righteousness so that we can rule and reign with him. His purpose is to establish a righteous people. He wants us to get ready so that we can meet the requirement for full redemption so that we can become a righteous people. So today, let's discover three truths about righteousness. Our scripture text for today is just one simple verse from Genesis chapter 7 verse 1. It gives us our final key to the survival power of Noah. Now receive the word of the Lord. The Lord then said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your hearts in Jesus name and everybody said amen. Our scripture text for today makes one thing very clear. It was Noah's righteousness that brought about his rescue. God said, because I have found you 
righteous. See, Noah's faith attracted God's attention, but his righteousness rescued him. And the same righteousness is what will deliver you at the end of the world. So here's your first truth about righteousness. It is the necessity of a righteous life. If you really truly believe our scripture text for today, you'll understand that righteousness led to Noah's rescue. It was essential that God found Noah righteous in order for him to be saved. See, Noah wasn't chosen to be delivered from the flood because of chance. It wasn't luck or his family lineage that allowed him to be delivered from the flood. Noah wasn't selected because of his education or his talents or even by anything he did to be delivered. He was delivered because of who he was. Noah was a righteous man. And the same thing is true for us as we face the end of the world. Only the righteous will be delivered in the end times. Only the righteous will be preserved through the storms. You won't survive the end of the world because of luck or chance. You won't make it out because of your power or position or money. You won't survive the end because of your talent or anything you do. The only people who survive the end of the world are the righteous. This is exactly what Jesus taught in the parable of the wheat and the tares in Matthew 13. Jesus told a story about a farmer who planted good seed into a field. But later on, an enemy came and planted weeds. Both the wheat and the weeds grew up together. But then at the harvest time, the farmer separated the wheat from the weeds. He destroyed the weeds and kept the wheat. And listen to Jesus' explanation of the story in Matthew 13, 40 to 43. Just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Jesus is speaking clearly to us about the end times. And this is what he says. When he comes again, the righteous will be rescued, but the unrighteous will be destroyed and removed. And that's a sobering truth for every one of us. For the fact is, God is just and holy and righteous and true. He cannot judge the wicked and allow you to escape when you are wicked also. The end times are a time when God brings punishment on the wicked. And if you're wicked and living a wicked life, you will be punished too. Not only that, the scriptures are clear about why only the righteous will enter eternal life. Over and over, the Bible tells us that God is righteous and holy, and he dwells in a holy place, in a glorious place of light, and only the holy will see God. Only the pure in heart will see him. For Hebrews 12, 14 says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy, for without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. What you believe about eternity determines how you live today. When you truly believe God's word, when it declares that God is holy, you will understand that you must also be holy in order to live in his presence in heaven. You'll understand that God will not allow sin into heaven. For heaven is the absence of evil and the presence of God. 
That's why the Bible teaches us that God will destroy and wipe away this old sin-filled world and all who are living in sin so that he can establish heaven, a new heaven and a new earth filled with his righteousness. Listen to how Apostle Peter describes it in 2 Peter 3, 10 to 14. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth he's promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. This world will be destroyed and replaced with a new heaven and a new earth filled with God's righteousness. Therefore, we must live righteous lives if we want to be part of the new world. This is a theme that is often repeated in the New Testament. Jesus shares the same truth in Matthew 25 when he talks about how he will separate the sheep from the goats. He makes it clear to us that the righteous will be ushered into God's eternal presence and the unrighteous will be cast into hell. Listen, Matthew 25, 31 and 32 and 46. Jesus said, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and the unrighteous will go away into eternal punishment but the righteous the righteous will go into eternal life so once again Jesus makes it clear the righteous survive the end of the world and enter into eternal life but the wicked go away into eternal punishment this is why there is the necessity of righteousness in your life But not only does Jesus tell us the outcome for the righteous in this passage, Jesus also explains clearly that the determining factor between the righteous and the unrighteous is how they behaved on earth. Just a few verses before these passages, Jesus tells us that the righteous are those who helped the poor and visited the prisoners and clothed the naked and fed the poor. This is the passage where he says, as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. So it's what people do here on this earth that proves whether they're righteous or unrighteous. And that means that you can know where you will end up tomorrow by the way you live today. Your lifestyle points to your destination. For the fact is, you may long to go to heaven. You may plan to go to heaven. Other people may expect you to go to heaven. But the best indicator of whether or not you will arrive in heaven is not your desire or your plans or other people's expectations. The best indicator of whether or not you will arrive in heaven is the lifestyle you live today. That's the lesson we can learn from the true story of a man named Paul Lorenyuk. Paul is a 75-year-old Polish man who traveled to the United Kingdom to visit family at Christmas in 2018. He spent a few weeks in England, and then on January 6th of 2019, he went to the airport to board his flight and go back home to Poland. But 
Somehow, Powell got on the wrong airplane. He went through all the security checkpoints. He showed his ticket at the door of the plane. He thought he was on the right plane, and everyone else thought so too. But instead of flying to Poland, he ended up on the island of Malta, more than 2,000 kilometers away from his intended destination. For the fact is, it doesn't matter what your intentions are. You'll end up where the plane you're on takes you. Powell intended to go to Poland, but he ended up in Malta because the plane he boarded flew to Malta. And that's how it is for most people. You may want to go to heaven. You may plan to go to heaven. Other people may expect you to go to heaven, but you won't get to heaven if you don't have the lifestyle that will take you there. Are you moving in the direction of the righteous or the wicked? What's the destination of the life you're living? For the fact is, you can't fly Satan's airline and expect Jesus to pick you up at the airport. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. Every lifestyle has a destination. You will arrive at the destination based on the lifestyle you choose. That's why God says in Proverbs 12, 28, righteousness is the road to life. Wickedness is the road to death. And we are judged based on what we do in this life. Righteous living leads to eternal life. Unrighteous living leads to eternal death. And here's the truth. You need to put on your keychain and carry along with you. There is no change in your character after death. The person you are today is the person you are taking into eternity. See, your character doesn't change when you leave this world. When you die, your body is transformed from physical to spiritual. Your substance is transformed from corrupt to incorruptible. Your existence is transformed from temporal to eternal. But we don't go from bad to good after death. We're not somehow transformed from sinner to saint, from unrighteous to righteous, once we leave this earth. There's no place in the Bible that says your character is transformed when you leave the earth and enter eternity. In fact, the Bible is clear. We are judged based on what we did on earth. We're judged based on our actions in this life. That's why 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we've done in this earthly body. In other words, who you are now is who you are taking into eternity. Today's decisions lead to tomorrow's destiny. And your choices lead to life or death. That's the lesson we can learn from a famous wealthy businessman named Donald Trump. Yes, the Donald Trump. Back in October 10, 1989, Trump was meeting in New York City with three of his top executives. After several hours of meeting, Trump said goodbye to the three executives who were about to board a helicopter to take them to the Trump Resort in Atlantic City. Listen to Donald Trump in his own words from his book, Surviving at the Top. For an instant, as they were walking out, I thought of going with them. I fly down to Atlantic City at least once a week, and I knew that if I made the 45-minute helicopter trip then, we could continue talking business on the way. But there was just too much to do in the office that day. So Donald Trump made a decision not to board the helicopter, and it was a decision that saved his life. 
Just a few hours later, the helicopter carrying his three executives crashed and killed everyone on board. A decision saved Donald Trump's life, and the rest is history. And today, we all face a decision much more important than the one Donald Trump faced that day in 1989. We face the decision that will determine our eternal destiny. And there are only two possibilities. You're either on the way to life or you're on the way to death. You're either righteous or unrighteous. The choice is up to you. And that brings us to our second truth today, the nature of a righteous life. We've seen that righteousness is essential. It's necessary to survive the end of the world. But what is the nature of righteousness? What does it mean for us to be righteous? Well, the Bible gives us a clear definition in 1 John 3, 7. Listen carefully. Don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. So the word of God is clear. Righteous actions prove righteous character. Now, let me make it clear. We are not saved because of our righteous acts. The Bible is very clear that we are saved by grace and grace alone. It's the free gift of God. There's nothing we can do to earn it. We receive it by faith. That's why Galatians 3.11 says, so it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. In our own efforts, by our own strength, we can never be righteous. But here's the good news of the gospel. Righteousness is beyond my reach but it is not unreachable you can't become righteous on your own or by your own effort but you can become righteous because Jesus makes a way for you for you see that's why Jesus came he came to reach you in your sin and make you righteous Jesus came to redeem you at your worst so that you could live in righteousness Listen to the powerful truth in these verses from Luke 1. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He sent us a mighty Savior so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. Jesus came so that we could serve him in holiness and righteousness. Therefore, righteousness is your destiny. God sent us a Savior so we can live in righteousness all our days. He didn't send us a Savior just so our sins could be forgiven. He didn't send us a Savior just so we could go to heaven. He sent us a Savior so that the righteousness that is beyond our reach would suddenly become reachable, that Jesus would make us righteous. That's why he suffered and died. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, somebody say in him, in him we might become the righteousness of God. God's purpose in making Christ our sin offering was so that we would become righteous. The purpose of the atonement was for the righteousness of Christ to be spread to those who receive him so that we too, would become righteous. That's why he said in John 16, 10, righteousness is available because I go to the Father. And when you cling to Jesus and become united with him, you will experience the righteousness of God that will rescue you at the end of the world. That's the truth illustrated in the amazing true story of Augustine Charahani. 
On September 20th, 2018, Augustine was the engineer on duty for the MV Nyerere, a ferry taking passengers across Lake Victoria. The vessel had a capacity for 100 passengers, but on this fatal day, it was carrying 270 people plus cargo. As the ship drew near to the dock, the captain made a sudden turn to adjust course, and in an instant, the boat overturned in the water. A few people were able to escape the capsized vessel and swim to shore. But as the boat filled with water, many more people were trapped underneath the boat and under the water. Eventually, 228 people died that day. Augustine Cherhani was below deck in the engine room when the boat capsized. His world was turned upside down and water started filling the room. Augustine tried to escape, but the water pressure made it impossible to open the doors or windows. In the dark, with the water rising all around him, Augustine clung to a metal staircase in the middle of the engine room. There was a pocket of air that enabled him to breathe. But if he didn't cling tightly to the staircase... He would fall into the water and drown. Augustine clung to the staircase for 48 hours before he was eventually rescued from the capsized boat and the water. Throughout his ordeal, he felt weak and faint. He was hungry and exhausted. There were times he thought he couldn't hold on any longer. Yet as long as he clung to the staircase, he was safe. And when he was finally lifted out of the water and taken to shore, Augustine Charahani was filled with gratitude. He was reunited with his family and given a second chance at life. And this is the picture for all of us today of how we can survive the end of the world. As darkness fills the earth around us and troubles surround us, we must cling to Jesus. Though you may feel weary and faint, cling to Jesus. Though you may think you can't make it, cling to Jesus. For as long as you cling to Jesus, you will be saved. He's your rock, your refuge, your strong tower. Cling to him and live. For the truth is this, the power of Jesus is enough to change any heart. When you cling to him, you can overcome every temptation. I believe there is no sin so strong, no temptation so powerful, no force so great that it cannot be overcome by God's transforming grace. If you have a defect in your body, you will try to correct it. Men go to great lengths to correct malfunctions in the body. If you have poor eyesight, you go to the eye clinic and get glasses. There's even surgery to correct bad eyesight. You can have fat removed, eyebrows changed, cheeks raised, lips made fuller. You can have your buttocks made bigger or your buttocks reduced. You can turn your skin darker or bleach your skin lighter. You can change the way you look. If you have a defective knee, they can do surgery and replace the old one with a new one. They will even transplant a kidney from one person and place it inside another. If you have a bad heart, they can do a heart transplant. And God says to you today, it is easier for the Almighty to remove sin from your heart than it is for a human doctor to remove cancer from your body. It is easier for the Almighty to cleanse your soul and transform your character than it is for a physician to cleanse your wounds. Men change defects in their physical bodies. 
How much more is God capable of making changes to defects in our spiritual being? And when God comes in and changes you, it becomes evident to the whole world. When Jesus robes you with his righteousness, it results in right living. If you truly give your life to Christ, you will be changed. The power to transform you comes from God, but the choice comes from you. That's why Romans 6.16 says, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. That's the lesson we learned from the true testimony of a man named Ted DiBiase. Ted DiBiase thought he could buy anything or anyone. He was rude, crude, and mean. But most of all, he was the epitome of greed. His motto was, money isn't everything, it's the only thing. Everyone has a price. As a professional wrestler with the WWF, Ted DiBiase was known as the Million Dollar Man. At the height of his career, he seemed to have it all. Women, wealth, fame, and success. He appeared in matches in front of huge crowds. He had fans all over the world. Yet still, he wasn't satisfied. Ted says, I was trying to fill a void in my life. But what things and money and fame could not do for Ted DiBiase, Jesus Christ did instead. Listen to what Ted says now about that life of sin. I found out the hard way. All those things, at the end of the day, I found all those things to be empty. But the thing that's almost unbelievable about God is his grace and mercy. Today, Ted DiBiase is a full-time evangelist who travels the world telling people about Jesus. He's a devoted husband, father, and man of God who found righteousness, not just in theory, but also in reality. For you see, God can save even the worst sinner and make him new. Jesus has come to save you and to change you, to make you righteous from the inside out. That's the powerful truth in Romans 5, 17 to 19. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater, somebody say even greater, even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. God's gift of righteousness is greater than the power of sin and death. And when you receive it by faith, you will live in victory over sin. And that brings us to our final truth about righteousness. The net result of a righteous life. Listen to these powerful words from 2 Peter 2, 4-9 that show us the net result of a righteous life. God did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness. The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. And understand today that the net result of righteous living 
is rescue. The net result of righteous living is reward. The net result of righteous living is protection in the flood. For no matter how bad it gets in the end times, God knows how to rescue the righteous. He will deliver you and bring you out safely. Things may look dark. There may be persecution, but God knows how to rescue the righteous. And he's waiting on the other side of the end of the world with a great reward. There's an inheritance for the righteous. That's what Noah discovered. Hebrews eleven seven says, by faith, Noah condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. That's what the Apostle Paul discovered. Hear his words in 2 Timothy 4, 7-8. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all, for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. That's what you will discover. For all who eagerly wait and watch for Jesus will receive this prize. All who are righteous will receive the crown of life. When this world ends, there's a great reward for the righteous. When this world ends, there's a better life to come. Heaven will far exceed your wildest imagination. Your reward will far exceed all you could possibly think of and dream of. For none of us can even begin to know how great it will be for the righteous in heaven. You may suffer tribulation in this life, but the joy and ecstasy of the life to come will be so amazing, you will quickly forget all the pain, all the hurts, all the disappointment of this world. We can get a small picture of that truth from the story of a South African couple named Hector Mackenzie and Nonlanla sold that. Hector wanted to propose to Nonlanla, but money was tight, and he couldn't afford much. So he took his sweetheart to a nearby KFC in Gauteng. He arranged for the KFC staff to bring the engagement ring along with the food. When it arrived, Hector went down on his knees and asked Nonlanla to marry him. It was a sweet and touching moment that thrilled the crowd at KFC. But when a bystander posted the proposal online and a picture thereof, the simple ceremony attracted negative publicity. One journalist slammed Hector on Twitter. South African men are so cheap, she said. This man has no class. Who proposes at KFC? Suddenly, it seemed like Hector was the laughingstock of South Africa. What he meant for good had been held up for ridicule. The couple's most special moment was now a source of pain. But then something greater happened. KFC South Africa stepped up and began to promote the couple. Coca-Cola jumped on board and promised drinks for their wedding. Quickly, the picture of Hector on his knees proposing to Nonlonla at KFC went viral, with thousands of people showing support. In fact, other companies started to get involved. An avalanche of gifts poured in. For example, the couple was given a rose gold ring with diamonds, 
worth $3,000. $20,000 in debt were covered by Stanbic South Africa. VW Passat worth $21,000 was given to them. Bridal gown worth $2,000 was given to them. Puma supplies worth $1,300 were given. Not to mention free airtime, exotic honeymoon trips, a new kitchen cabinet, free wedding photography, and so much more. In fact, the total value of the gifts is estimated to exceed an amount of 260,000 US dollars. Suddenly, the couple that was mocked online was overwhelmed with an outpouring of love and favor. Their momentary pain was overshadowed by overwhelming blessings. Their temporary trials have been completely erased by their long-term gain. And so it is for the righteous. Noah was mocked for building a boat. He was laughed at. (laughs) But he became history's greatest survivor and the father of nations. Paul was persecuted for his faith, put in prison, beaten. But today, he's rejoicing in heaven and he's revered on earth. You may be passing through persecution. You may be in the middle of a storm. But God knows how to rescue you. God knows how to reward you. And when you get to heaven, this momentary affliction will be forgotten. Every tear will be wiped away. Every pain will be healed. Every discomfort erased. I can guarantee you there's not one single person in heaven today who regrets serving God. I can guarantee you there's not one single soul who gave his life for Christ that is in heaven today wishing he'd not been martyred for his faith. I can guarantee you that there's not one single person in heaven right now who's wondering if it was worth serving Jesus. Not one. For the amazing, awesome, overwhelming reward of his glory will fill our hearts and minds and when he comes the world will see his hand of favor and blessing on the righteous that's what the bible promises us in malachi 3 70 to 18 they will be my people says the lord of heaven's armies on the day when i act in judgment they will be my own special treasure i will spare them as a father spares an obedient child Then you will again see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. On the day of judgment, God will spare the righteous. At the end of the world, you will see the difference between the righteous and the wicked. For surviving the end of the world doesn't depend on what you do. It's not stockpiling food or weapons or running to the desert to hide. It depends on who you are. Embrace righteousness and find life. That's how to survive the end of the world. But not only that, it's how to survive any time. The principles of how to survive the end times are the same principles on how to survive this time and the next time and any time. So follow this teaching for life. Get ready for eternity. Put your life in perspective. It's just a vapor. Eternity is ahead. Begin to pursue God's priorities. Focus on your faith, for that is the requirement for life. Follow God closely in fellowship and he will favor you. Jesus will redeem you from your past sins and from your present trials. He will refine you and reward you with a hope 
that cannot be denied. He will give you the strength to become righteous. And at the end of the world, he will overwhelm you with his love and favor. He will separate you to himself and draw you to heaven. He will crown you with righteousness. This is not the time to make excuses for your sin. This is not the time to justify your bad behavior. This is not the time to cover your sin. For those who cover their sin will not prosper. This is the time to repent and restore righteousness. This is the time to get on your knees and cry out to God for revival. This is the time to get ready to meet the requirement of faith. This is the time to let his full redemption work in us till it produces righteousness. But that is how to survive the end of the world. Shall we pray? Father, I lift up each and every one listening and watching today. I ask that your truth will go down deep into our hearts. Seal up the seed of your word in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. I bind every voice of the enemy from coming to steal this seed of the word out of our hearts in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you'll water this seed. Let it go down deep and let its roots take hold in our lives. Let it grow up and bear fruit for your glory that we might all be prepared so we can survive the end of the world. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House, New Testament Church in East Lagon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30, 9.30 or 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience. We're here